Hello, and welcome to Mooncast. I'm Ada Pembroke. And I'm Lauren from Tarot and Chai. And today we're talking about the full moon in Virgo from March 2022. So we're going to start by looking at the chart of the moment for the full moon. And if you would like to see what we're seeing, you will want to cast a chart for March 18th, 2022 at 2.18 a.m. in Austin, Texas. That's March 18th, 2022, 2.18 a.m. in Austin, Texas. So would you like to start us out by uh, talking about what you see in this chart, Lauren? Sure. Um, so with this, with the chart of the moment that we're looking at, um, the moon is opposite all of this other stuff that we have going on in Pisces and Aquarius right now. It's also on, it's in the 10th house. So it's in the uppermost, uh, part of the chart, um, which is a place that the moon isn't always very comfortable with, especially, you know, when it wants to be hidden and kind of private, So you've got the moon acting as almost like the crow's nest um, of a ship. So you've got this lookout and it's gaining some distance and also some clarity on all of this, this cluster of all this other stuff going on at the bottom of the chart. Because we have the um, Mars, Venus, and Saturn in Aquarius and Mercury, Jupiter, Neptune, and the sun down there in Pisces. So having that emotional... Uh, distance as well uh, can be helpful to kind of see some of what's going on. Absolutely. And I think it's, uh, it's especially helpful to have the moon have that distance because a lot of what's going on on the other side of the chart is, um, is rather difficult stuff to deal with. And and we'll talk about that more in detail, but it's it's interesting that we've got these two clusters here. We've got um, that trio of planets in Aquarius on um, Mars, Venus, and Saturn, and then a little cluster of things going on in Pisces, Mercury, Jupiter, Neptune, and the Sun. And so it's like the Moon is opposite both of them in a sense. I mean, technically the moon is quincunx what's going on in um, Aquarius. But these two groups are in a sense not talking to each other, really. It's like the moon has the distance to see things going on in two different areas of life. So to get some insight into what two areas of life these things might be happening in, um, take a look at the house that contains your Aquarius in the house that contains your Pisces. And those are the two places that are really in focus in terms of um, what the moon is looking at from its position in Virgo. So, so the relevant houses for you are going to be the house that contains 27 degrees of Virgo, which is the moon. And then um, the, the house that contains middle late Aquarius and the house that contains um, middle late Pisces. So that should give you an idea of the topics that you personally are dealing with. But um, if you're working with the chart of the moment, like we are at the moment, uh, the moon's in the 10th house of uh, career and vocation and social mission. Um, 
the trio in Aquarius is happening in the third house of uh, communication, learning, writing, long distance or short distance travel and siblings. And um, the Pisces planets are in the fourth house of home and, uh, and roots and family of origin and those types of things. Yeah. And especially having um, <clears throat> needing, needing that distance um, I feel is especially important right now with some of what we were talking about earlier. Um, mm-hmm. Cause we have all of this stuff going on in Pisces, especially with Neptune there. So clarity is not something that we have a lot of right now. Mm-hmm. And it's both on the giving and the receiving end because Mercury's part of that party as well. So not only are we not necessarily um, <laughs> thinking clearly, um, but as far as commun- communication goes, it's um, okay. Well, some of us are communicating just well. But yeah, having having Mercury so close to all of that going on um, makes it, you know, really difficult to clearly communicate your thoughts and, um, you know, what's going on internally. So having that emotional distance kind of gives us a break from that. And, you know, like I said, just kind of lets us step back and analyze a little more than we would otherwise be able to. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's interesting that the moon is in Virgo and Mercury is in Pisces and Mercury's in that fog because Virgo is the sign of the analyst and really likes clean data and um, discernment and clear thinking. And um, it's, it is Mercury really at its best. Mercury is exalted in Virgo and Mercury rules Gemini as well, but in Gemini, Mercury is more mercurial. It's more of a bouncy ball. And in Virgo, it's like Mercury is sitting down at the workshop, you know, getting stuff done. And um, so Mercury in Pisces in, in this blind, foggy, um, emotional space is the one driving the ship of, of the full moon because it's the uh, ruler of Virgo. So it's like, you know, looking at the chart, you see this tension of the opposition and uh, it's almost like there's a fundamental tension between, well, I I mean, there very much is a fundamental tension between, um, intuitive knowing and rational knowing through data, feelings and thoughts, practicality and dreaming. I mean, that's the fundamental tension between Virgo and Pisces. And um, that tension is highlighted by the fact that, you know, Mercury really wants to be in that data-driven space, but it finds itself in in Wonderland almost at the moment. Yeah. And, you know, the moon being something that's a bit more comfortable in Pisces, uh, not necessarily by rulership even, but just um, due to the kind of watery qualities. Yeah, it's almost like kind of uh, there was an exchange. Yeah, it's almost like there was like an exchange program with Wonderland. And like yeah. <laughs> Alice went to Wonderland and some denizen of Wonderland went to, you know, wherever Alice came from, Victorian England or whatever. And they're mm-hmm. both having a cross-cultural experience trying to understand each other. Yeah. 
Um, so I guess one of the uh, things that, um, as far as these kind of two parties of planets, uh, one of the questions that I've personally had coming up a lot with people lately, um, not necessarily specific just to this lunation, but just kind of in general, um, is the kind of creative block that's been going on a lot lately. And with that, uh, one of these teams of planets, um, this party that we have going on in Aquarius with Mars, Venus, and Saturn. Um, when we're talking in terms of creativity, uh, Venus is usually what fuels that. So if you're, you know, feeling inspired to write or create art or just anything that requires any sort of creative energy, that's all going to stem from Venus. Mm-hmm. And right now it's trapped behind, it, it's trapped between these two planets um, that are very uh, contrary to its energy. And so it's separating from Mars because we've had this Mars-Venus conjunction going on uh, seemingly forever, <laughs> um, you know, with Venus just stationing and coming out of its shadow period. Um, but as soon as it begins to separate from Mars, it runs into Saturn, the planet of limitations and structure and everything that Venus is not about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of creativity, both of those energies can be very uh, stifling, but Saturn more so, because at least with Mars, you might see a bit of that, you know, passion that drives uh, creativity. But with Saturn, there's just none of that. So it's almost like Venus is caught between a rock and a pointy place. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so when we're talking in terms of, you know, just the stifling energy, because it's really, it's been, you know, back since what, the middle of December? Um, yeah. When Venus went into when, Capricorn? Yeah, they're, thereabouts. Um, I think it's when Venus went into Capricorn that it, that might be when Venus went retrograde, but mm-hmm. it, it's almost like we're going through the longest Venus retrograde period ever. Because, like, as yeah. soon as Venus turned direct and you know venus spent the entire time you know dancing with pluto the lord of death during that retrograde but as soon as as venus went into aquarius it it was like she got stuck between these two bullies who have been kind of pushing her back and forth and so like um that's that's why a lot of us are experiencing blocks like saturn is um the (laughs) the planet of blocks and it's in a place where it's really empowered to to do that kind of blocking behavior so um if you're if you're not sure what we're talking about it might be because um you're not experiencing creative blocks per se um venus also rules relationships so if you feel like a relationship needs to be moving forward or moving toward conclusion depending on where the relationship is um that uh, Venus, Saturn, uh, Mars thing might be expressing itself through relationships. And um, another place to find clues about where this might be playing out for you is to look at the house that contains 11 degrees of Aquarius in your chart. So um, if if this is going to be impacting you at all, um, you, 
either looking at different meanings of Venus or looking at that heart house will will tell you if this is relevant for you. It's going to mm-hmm. especially be impacting people with planets in Aquarius, Taurus, Leo, and Scorpio. All of the fixed signs. Yeah. And, and with that, um, something you brought up earlier that I find, I, I really like the comparison. Um, so we have this Venus uh, square Uranus uh, transit going on right now with Uranus and Taurus and uh, Venus and Aquarius. And it's kind of like, you know, she's just being suppressed right now. And we're still feeling a lot of that stifling energy wherever Venus is in your chart. Um, But Uranus is a lot about, you know, the kind of rebellion and freedom at any cost. Um, I think that's what you said. Speaking of rebellion. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that rebellion, the freedom at any cost, and just really wanting to break free of and restructure things, um, that's going to be coming in a lot in uh, Uranus and Venus square. And that um, is kind of going to be the key to, you know, kind of breaking out of that entrapment that it's experiencing in uh mars and saturn and so that'll actually be on april 5th when that separates as soon as venus goes into pisces it kind of leaves both uh, saturn and mars behind and it's just free to kind of express itself in pisces yeah venus is going to get away from the entrapment on the 28th and even at the time of the the full moon things should be starting to um if not directly improve yet you'll have the potential to get a glimpse of what is ultimately going to liberate you from whatever is blocked because during the full moon itself venus is going to be really close to that square with uranus and so like it might be difficult it might mean burning bridges it might mean breaking things but resources will become available to you at the time of the full moon to get out of that block, or you will get some kind of insight or inspiration that allows you to see the path forward out of whatever is keeping you blocked over the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also an important part to highlight is that um, I keep, I keep using the term creative, um, just because that's that's a lot of my work. And so that's something mm. I really closely associate with Venus is just creativity. Um, Absolutely. But also kind of leaning more on inspiration. Um, you know, Venus is just, you know, more generally a planet that's uh, more about <clears throat> inspiration and joy and um, freedom to some extent. Um, mm, mm-hmm. So almost that kind of more hedonistic side of things that doesn't necessarily have to be creative in the context that we think about it nowadays. Um, Yeah. So more and more of those kind of themes. So if you're feeling put off by the way I keep using creative, just replace that with inspiration (laughs) or joy or something, something that resonates a little bit more based on where it is in your chart. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think that you're 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 right to emphasize that side of Venus because um Uranus is gonna really bring that inspiration side out of Venus. Um I've been thinking a lot today as we've been preparing for this podcast about this story. There's a a hill in Celtic lore that you you sit on overnight and um you will either go mad wake up dead or wake up with the fire in your head um, filled with poetic inspiration. If you, if you Mm -hmm. sit on this hill overnight and Uranus is kind of like that. And uh, you know, Uranus can give you this inspiration from like this transpersonal intuitive source, or it can also you know, drive you kind of crazy or blow up your world. But when Uranus teams up with Venus, um, it, it has the potential if you use the energy in the right way to create, you know, these works of staggering genius. And, uh, you know, whether that work is art itself or um, some kind of resolution in a relationship or a conversation that breaks open things in which you've been stuck for a long time. Now, these are, these are all kinds of the, the things that we can try to step into when Uranus is square Venus like this. Mm -hmm. And I think if you want a really good picture of that, um, I have this tarot deck that I frequently read with, um, it's the Light Series Tarot by Chris Ann. Mm. The Ace of Wands in that deck is very much what you're describing about the the kind of fire in your head because it's this, you know, you've got the woman in the card, but you've got this just giant all-encompassing flame that is, you know, very much the primary focus of that card. Um, so if you get a chance to look that up, look up that card, and I feel like that perfectly represents you know that kind of (laughs) that kind of idea it sounds like that might be a a good meditation focus during this full moon if you're the meditating focus type yeah yeah not to jump ahead of us or anything (laughs) (laughs) so i think um the next thing we had was um diving into jupiter and neptune a little more yeah, so this is taking us in potentially a bit of a a political direction, but you know we're recording this in the United States, where um, one of the things that we're dealing with is runaway inflation, and uh, that is a uh, expression, you know, a syncretistic correlate with Jupiter and Neptune and Pisces. Um, and during this lunation, like one of the difficult things that we're going to be dealing with is, you know, we mentioned earlier that having Mercury and the sun in Pisces, especially together is difficult. It's kind of like trying to drive with your high beams on through a fog, fog bank. You're trying to illuminate things. You're trying to get clarity. And the more you illuminate things, the, the more difficult it is to see with any clarity. And um, that foggy-headedness, the confusion about how things actually are that is driving price increases, um, 
that kind of stuff is kind of a, a feature of this lunation. It's one of the the things that you know clear headed moon in Virgo is standing against and trying to get some clarity on. It's like these planets are on the other side of the chart directly opposite the moon, like just kind of like lost and Virgo is outside of the storm looking in kind of, kind of wondering why everybody is stumbling around because it can't see what everybody else is seeing. And that kind of describes the mood of what we're going into with this lunation, I think. And especially not having, cause it's only um, directly opposite the sun and Neptune. So it can't really see Mercury or Jupiter, which is, you know, both of the planets that are going to be kind of a lot about like finance and commerce and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be a huge, you know, blind spot in general. Uh, but also, also the thing um, I find kind of interesting. I'm not really sure what house to assign commerce to in general. Would that be like a, maybe like a third or a, I think it depends on how you define commerce. Because if you're strictly talking about money, that's definitely the second house. Yeah. But like but the actual there's also, trade and motion of things. Maybe the third? Yeah. Because if it is, I'm, I'm intuitively wanting to say that's the third house, um, specifically of trade, just because that involves uh, communication and yeah. a little bit of travel as well. Um the third house definitely rules the trucks that are, you know, going from the Amazon warehouses making local deliveries. Those kind of short trips are definitely yeah. third house. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of wanting to assign what I'm thinking of to the uh, third house uh, just because mm. a lot of what is driving inflation is a lack of supply at local warehouses um, that we haven't really planned for i mean nobody really planned for this um so like even at our local grocery stores for instance they are you know looking at you know weeks for deliveries because everything is just in such short supply immediately um Mm -hmm. because yeah like our, our local warehouses are completely tapped out but we've got this you know stuff going on with mars and saturn there in the third house of this particular chart and it's leading to a hopefully uh, short-term inflation. I don't know exactly how that's going to play out without really looking at it. Um, yeah. But it's a combination of the shortage of supply. Um, the war going on is kind of leading to some uncertainty of, you know, what our trading is going to look like. And mm-hmm. so it's causing people to buy up everything very quickly and kind of panic about all of that. Um, and it's just causing lots of fluctuations and inflation and everything else going on. And um, yeah, they just seem like very kind of Mars and Saturn type things. Uh, Mars because of the war and Saturn because we are, you know, hitting our limits when it comes to that sort of stuff. Yeah. People are hitting their limits a lot in general, I think. I mean, you know, we're talking about the the great resignation. They're loosening a lot of the COVID requirements, not so much necessarily because of the science 
if I can trust my news sources, um, but more because people are really reaching the limits of what their mental health can take. Uh, children are reaching the limits of what they can take with mask mandates in school and so on. Um, so it's it, it's really interesting that you're bringing up um, local travel and the third house stuff because um, you know it's almost like um, you know, Venus definitely rules shopping therapy. Yeah. Um, your attempts to shop local, engage in shopping therapy with local businesses is blocked because the local businesses are not able to get things from the warehouses. Yeah, and it's just such a bad spot to be in because they're the ones who need the most help right now. It's really so, true. Yeah, you'll see a lot of the smaller businesses reaching out for support. And like some of ours that don't have the stock right now are even kind of relying on like gift card sales and stuff like that for you know future purchases and the like, um, which kind of taps into more of that very temporary, you know, transient type of commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think it's also really notable that you have this going on right next to everything going on in Pisces. So because of how close they are, they're not necessarily going to see each other. So we've got that inflation, uh, that's associated with Jupiter and all the stuff going on in Pisces and you have Neptune involved. So that's already kind of reducing our visibility, but mm-hmm. all the stuff that's potentially causing it is just one house over. So it's got just all of these contributing factors that make it a huge blind spot for us. And we're not really able to accurately narrow down exactly where all this is coming from. We're being really negative. And I, I think that it's, um, it's good that we're being clear-eyed about it as much as we can be clear-eyed when we're talking about a transit that is exactly about not being clear-eyed. Um, but I think it's important to, you know, you and I, of course, remember this, but it's important to remind everyone, I think, that um, this is temporary. Um, one of the delightful things about transits and one of the horrible things about transits, depending on your point of view, is that they are transitory. Um, the the stuff that we've been talking about with Venus is going to start to uh, clear up to a certain extent on the 28th, and it's going to uh, get much better when Venus goes into Pisces on the 5th. Um, Venus is going to run into other challenges, you know, um, th- when things are bad, they're not bad forever. When they're good, they're not good forever either. Um, but e- everything that we're talking about, you know, later in the year, Jupiter is going to be leaving Pisces and that's going to be, you know, Jupiter's expansion qualities is going to be going into Aries instead. And so there, that focus will be different. Um, Venus is going to break free of Mars and Saturn. Um, Mars is eventually going to get out of Aquarius where it's um, duking it out with, with Saturn and, you know, all of, all of these things are, you know, especially where hang the, in there. Yeah. <laughs> especially where the inner planets are involved. Um, you know, aside from this past retrograde, things generally move pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the thing I think that's that's really tripping people up. Like, you know, we're we're all used to 
what the Venus cycle feels like, even if we're not astrologers. We know that we have cycles with creativity. We know that relationships have cycles. And I think it really throws people off when one of the inner planets gets stuck in the way that Venus has been stuck over the, the last three months or so. Because um, it, it feels so much more dire than it is because we have an intuitive sense of the way things should be. And when it doesn't match up, it's like, you know, the sun didn't come up today. Yeah. But that's also, it, it almost kind of gives us a, a necessary break. Um, because when we do get all of that energy, it's, it, it can almost be a little bit overwhelming having, mm-hmm. you know, just free reign of that creative energy all the time. And so yeah. now it's almost like, even though we feel it as a block, um, you know, I don't know how this is going to play out for other people, but I personally had a lot more time to rest. Mm-hmm. And because I can't see exactly what's going on, it's just kind of forced me into a state of, you know, reflection. And maybe I need to like go back and dot my eyes, cross my T's and just, you know, really reflect on everything that's going on and try to get that clarity. There is, are a few things Virgo likes better than dotting eyes and crossing T's. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And Virgo is kind of one of those things that I I have a rocky relationship with, but um, yeah, it very much plays out in uh, the kind of work I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We both, we both do writing and editing. And if we, if we leave Virgo at the, out in the cold forever, we will not have jobs. Virgo is definitely your best friend during the editing phase, for sure. Even if you're, you know, having, enjoying the playtime with Pisces, maybe perhaps a little bit more. <laughs> so another thing that if, if you're ready to move on, um, another thing that people have asked about is if you look at the chart of the moment, you'll see that the nodes of the moon, the north and south nodes are both making aspects to the sun and the moon during this reclination. Um, one node is sextile and trying the sun and the other is sextile and trying the moon. Um, so they're both making soft or good aspects, depending on your, your approach to aspects. And what this means We've talked about what it means when the nodes are square to the sun and moon during illumination. Um, but this is a, a soft aspect. So it's it's similar, but also slightly different. Um, whenever a planet is aspecting the nodes, it means that there is some kind of karmic or habitual material coming up. Um, not everybody is comfortable using the word karmic and that and that's fair. But um, the the nodes refer to things that um, are on the south node side ruts for you. And on the north node sides, the the path out of the rut or um, the way forward that is the, the path of soul growth. And wherever the nodes are at the moment represents an area of life that humanity as a collective is working on 
um, releasing old patterns and moving forward into a new way of being. And right now we've got the South node in Scorpio and the North node in Taurus. And so um, collectively humanity is working on releasing old wounds and um, old grudges and um, patterns of thought, exercising inner ghosts and moving toward an existence of peace and simplicity and security and Taurus. And so um, having the sun and moon aspecting the nodes of the moon during the full moon in Virgo means that the things that we're working on during the full moon have the potential to either help us to release those old patterns or habits or uh, karmic patterns, um, or it can help us to dig deeper ruts into habits that we really are let, ready to let go. So to get a hint or get some help figuring out what patterns you are ready to release, what kind of karmic energies you're, you're ready to let go, look to the house that contains Scorpio. And if you are looking for the path forward, look to the house that contains Taurus. Um, and in the, if you're not working with your personal chart or you don't know how, um, the houses that are in play during this lunation are the sixth house and the 12th house. So the collective as a whole is working on releasing things that have kept us in prison, addictions, um, illnesses that are, are curable. Uh, so this is a, a good time for, um, you know, if you have not been getting the mental health care that you need, this is a good time to kind of set an intention and go, go do that. Start taking care of your mental health better. Um, and we're collectively at this moment working on um, moving forward into being of service. So um, this is a, a good lunation for figuring out what kinds of old hurts and traumas and um, karma, if you like that language, is, is holding you back from being able to be of service to humanity in this moment. Um, and ways that the sun and the moon can help you heal are the, uh, the moon's analysis in Virgo um, can help you to see what your Scorpio wounding really is. Um, and on the sun side, the universal love and compassion in the sun of the sun in Pisces can help you to understand what happened to wound you, and it can help you to forgive yourself and others. Um, on on the minus side, things that could potentially make things worse for you or others if you engage in them during this time. Um, one of the things that Virgo does when Virgo doesn't uh, have the right channel to flow in when it's not operating at its best. Um, Virgo has the tendency to pick and Virgo can start picking at Scorpio's scabs. Either your own scabs, you can start beating yourself up or um, going over and over and over and over old stories uh, that aren't serving you anymore or just serve to wound you. Um, 
or it can take the form of picking at other people's wounds, um, being, being naggy and, and pick, pick, picky. Um, and on the other side, the sun in Pisces uh, has the potential to fall into f- compassion fatigue and become paralyzed. Or it might inspire you to just space through this entire opportunity to um, work on your ish. So if if you're mostly working on mitigating damage right now, and I think a lot of us are really tapped out at the moment, and so um, it's a it's a special person who is able to to really work on themselves. I think. Um, Making sure that you're reining in your critical instinct and applying it in the right way and uh, making sure that you are not engaging in media consumption that makes you paralyzed and have compassion fatigue. Those two things are really the most optimal things that you can do to make sure that you're uh, at least not contributing to the problem if, if you're in a place where you need to just do the bare minimum. And I think, I think the point that you bring up about media is especially important right now, because not only are we getting a lot of conflicting information right now, but even if we can get clear information, we're not going to know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Because we just, we don't have that level headed thinking that we normally would. So Um, I'm not saying, you know, don't pay attention to anything going on right now, but I am certainly, you know, suggesting that now is definitely a good time to limit your media consumption if you're someone who latches on to those things. Absolutely. I mean, if you're in a position where you really can help in a practical way, I think that it's going to be painfully obvious to you. Like I've been hearing from um, people in Poland who have been helping out refugees and hosting them in their homes. And, you know, they, they have a clarity on what is going on over there that it, it is so much more clear than what I have from all the way in Oregon in the United States. And so I think that focusing on the things that are right in front of you And by right in front of you, I mean IRL, not necessarily right in front of you in your newsfeed, is really the best way to optimally take advantage of this lunation and try to keep yourself from being overwhelmed. Going on some kind of media fast is probably a good idea this weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I think um, that kind of goes along with a lot about what we were talking um, earlier is we do have a lot of convoluted things going on with social media. Um, Well, one, one is censorship um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, platforms like Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, they are being pressured um, by our government to take ownership of their content or rather our content. And they're kind of being pressured to censor a lot of this content and take responsibility for it, which with how many users they have is a difficult position to be in. Absolutely. Um, But also we're going through this interesting uh, phase where we're having to look at how much data we collect and kind of Mm -hmm. take responsibility for that as well. 
Um, I'm saying responsibility and I'm looking at that Saturn and Aquarius. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just, you're saying data and I'm looking at Virgo. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's this interesting, just, we've got all this stuff happening right now that is leading to a lot of um, what we consider problems with social media Uh, Mm -hmm. We feel like we're being censored. We feel like our message isn't getting to the right people. Um, Mm -hmm. And there have been some changes with the algorithms that, you know, haven't necessarily been documented. And that's Mm -hmm. certainly part of it. But a lot of it is just, we're, we're not able to see any of this. So, you know, if that's not being communicated to us and we aren't necessarily able to do anything about it right now, that is all the more reason to just take a little bit of a hiatus and, you know, be done with it for a while, revisit it once um, things are a little bit more clear and we can, you know, kind of develop more of a strategy for that. Absolutely. I mean, Mercury is in Pisces right now, which is amazing for writing poetry, but Mercury is also the ruler of the tech companies, which means that, you know, if, if you're a programmer at a tech company, things are going to be harder for you than they ordinarily are right now. So um, I guess it's on the rest of us to exercise some of that Piscean universal compassion when we, when we think about the poor employees of the tech companies trying to work through this right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but as far as that goes, um, are we ready to go on to full moon activities? I think so. Okay. Um, so with this full moon, it's a little bit uh, different for those of us. I mean, some of us. I've got a lot of earth on my chart, so I really kind of like this sort of energy. <laughs> 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 Might not be everyone's cup of tea, but um, we, we, we're having this situation where we're having to kind of balance earth and water because mm-hmm. um, we've got the moon and Virgo opposite Neptune over there in Pisces. And so you're balancing this critical analysis uh, side of Virgo with dreamy spiritual Neptune. Um, so one of the things that I have had to do is uninstall Excel and make it a point to only like, I mean, obviously I still need spreadsheets for some things, but if Google Sheets can't do it, it's something that I need to revisit after we've kind of moved out of this. So I'm setting down the spreadsheets that I can and I'm focusing more on kind of the intuitive side of things and not quite as much analysis right now. Which um, must be hard for you because you're you're kind of a professional analyst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so for me, um I'm using this full moon to tie in a bit of both of those themes and work on a more constructive dream work and analysis. Mm. Um, so this very closely ties in with the moon and Virgo opposite Nap- uh, Neptune. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of 
almost you don't you don't want to get too caught up in the dreams and necessarily looking at what they mean, but you want to focus on the documentation. Um, so if you do dream journaling, that's a good practice to pick up um, and you know try that now and revisit it after you know we're in more clear transits. Um, yeah, but write down your dreams. You can do a quick analysis. Just don't dig too much into it. Um, but really just kind of focus on looking for those patterns and seeing what parts of it you can use and yeah. the parts that just don't make any sense. Just let it be. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is, this is not a time to go full on Jungian and ask yourself things like, you know, what does the color red mean to me? But I've been, um, talking to people who have been having nightmares the last few days. And I've been finding that often the themes are immediately pretty clear. So like, you know, if you have a nightmare and you're immediately like, oh, this goes back to the time that my mother abandoned me in the mall when I was three years old. And that has given me abandonment issues ever since. Like, you can, you can probably trust that stuff. Like we're in a moment with this full moon where we want to be liberated from things. Like we've been frustrated and trapped for so long that we're, we're really desperate. And I think that, you know, as much as we've been talking about some of the things that are difficult in this chart, this is a moment where, um, things have been building up to a a point where they can kind of, uh, explode if they need to, to release the things that need to be released. So um, one of the ways that it can potentially come out is in your dreams. And so if you find that your dreams are being supportive of that stuff, like, you know, don't, don't feel like you have to just take notes and walk away. This is a a potentially potent healing time. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's really important to pay attention to right now because um, it's almost like things are, um, yeah, things, things are being brought to the surface for a reason. So Mm -hmm. it's, it might feel like one of those things that is irrational or kind of comes out of left field, but yeah, the, the things in your dreams right now are most definitely coming up for a very, you know, prominent reason. Yeah. Uh, Pisces is the sign of consciousness and uh, unconscious drives and collective unconscious and so on. And so, um, yeah, things are, are going to be expressed in dreams that are not necessarily able to express themselves in waking life. Mm-hmm. But, and I, I talk a lot about that analysis, but like, like you were saying, there are, you know, we're going to have more of a handle on them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so intuitively we're going to be able to likely pick it up pretty quickly, depending on, you know, what other aspects you have going on in your chart. Yeah. And if you don't pick it up really clearly, like, I think that the advice that you gave a few minutes ago is fantastic. Like, you know, so often dreams are, um, Delphic, you know, they're like the, the, the Oracle at Delphi, they give you this weird riddle and you're like, you know, I don't, I don't understand what Tony, Tony, the tiger, um, <laughs> jogging around a track means or something like that. But, you know, something will happen that speaks into it later. If you kind of mark it and remember it and, and let it go. 
like sometimes the dreams that you get are for, you know, tomorrow and not necessarily for right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, yeah, so speaking of dreaming, that's also going to go into something that you brought up earlier. Uh, if you want to go ahead and talk about that. Yeah. So one of the other potential ways that you can use this, you know, if you're, if your dreams are quiet uh, when you're asleep, or if you're a person who doesn't remember your dreams, this is a good time for um, active dreaming, engaging in the active imagination or making vision boards, whether that's a a typical full moon activity for you or not. Um, And because in the collective chart, the moon is in the 10th house, this is a really good time for doing some dreaming into um, your mission statement for your career or your vocation. Um, This isn't a a time for pulling out the spreadsheets or writing a um, really analytical manifesto with lots of, you know, value statements or things like that. But the more intuitive processes where you're doing maybe tarot card readings or doing some free writing or things like that. Um, it's, it's a good time for, for doing those types of activities. Mm-hmm. And I think it's um, really timely because we're both going through this uh, course that I think we may have already mentioned the, um, the branding course that uh, Chris Ann has recently hosted Uh, branding and magic Mm -hmm. and so that's a really um constructive way to kind of do more of that active dreaming and kind of you know if you're not someone that has been too inspired lately this is like a good way to really jumpstart that um yeah mood boards are crazy effective for just you know getting that flow going because once you've started like seeing that visual representation of what you're, um, you know, what's maybe just kind of lurking in your subconscious, it really kind of triggers something in the mind um, that can help jumpstart things. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that we talked about uh, earlier when we were planning the podcast. This is a really, really excellent time for, um, you know, one of the good things about blocks is that when you're blocked and you're stuck, you have a really, really clear idea of where you would like to be because you're not there. Mm-hmm. So it, it is an excellent time to really dream into where you want to be and do vision boarding or sigil magic or something that is oriented towards um, getting you unstuck, getting you toward a destination. Um, I really like the um, black book exercise from Aiden Wachter's, um, uh, what is it, Changing Fate? His second book. Uh, I'm blanking on the title of it right now, but um, hyper sigils, all, all of these types of things are are really excellent things to do right now yeah and i think i like we we actually did an exercise that was kind of based on that chapter of the book um and maybe at some point we can like come up maybe maybe talk about that in a blog post or something a little bit or do a podcast episode on that because i would love to share that with people (laughs) 
Um, that practice is so, so effective. Uh, what, what, what you're talking about right now is um, my Patreon patrons and I about a year ago um, did an exercise where uh, we started applying the tools of the black book from Eden Wachter's technique to astrology. We kind of brought the two of them together. Do you want to talk about your experience about that a little bit? Oh, sure. Um, so, oh, weaving fate is what I was trying to think of. There we go. Weaving fate. Thank yes. you. <laughs> that was going to drive me nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we, we did this interesting exercise. Um, oh, we were, we were doing, it was like solar returns combined with perfections. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking, we were looking at the chart for our, um, solar return, which is basically your birthday. It just mm-hmm. might be slightly off your birthday. Cause it's based on when the sun returns to that exact degree, not necessarily the day, like in the calendar that you were born. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking at these chart, it basically sets the theme for your next birth year. So I was born in July. I'm looking at July through, you know, July of 2022. Um, And it was really interesting because with the sigil I created, this is when I was still just getting back into astrology. And um, because, yeah, I very recently started like studying astrology in earnest. So I didn't have a lot of the... um, background for that sort of thing and like perfections and all of that stuff was all very new to me um so just completely not even thinking too much about the astrological side and just focusing on that sigil creation that he outlines in his book um i came up with this uh sigil that had jupiter as a very prominent part of the sigil it was like it, it was actually probably just the biggest part of that sigil. <laughs> it I kind was. Of, <laughs> I kind of just worked Jupiter into the the background and all of the other symbols that I used to kind of make it were very tiny in comparison. And at the time, I did not have a great uh, relationship with Jupiter. Um, to say the least. To say the least. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so I thought it was weird that it was part of that sigil. Um, But as I've started learning more about perfections, um, so Mars would have been my Lord of the year um, based on that last perfection, which was a small part of that sigil. But something in one of uh, Chris's talks on the astrology podcast. um, Chris Brennan. Yeah, Chris Brennan. Um, had led me to kind of experiment more with perfecting from the sect ruler, which in my case is the sun, uh, mm. rather than just from the rising sign, because I felt like perfecting from the rising sign just wasn't doing a lot for me. And so I perfected from my sun, and what do you know? There's Jupiter right there. <laughs> 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 so, but I mean, it's it's so basically, I perfected from my son. It highlights the second house, which uh, Sagittarius is there. So mm-hmm. it, um, yeah, Jupiter by rulership, and that has been the biggest part of the past year since my birthday. So even not knowing really much about perfections, or you know, even just 
a lot about astrology in general, um, going in and creating that sigil and just seeing how well that plays out astrologically is just kind of crazy to me because I didn't know any of this stuff. <laughs> but yeah, it ended up playing out really interestingly. And you have, you know, at the risk of speaking for you, from the outside, it seems like you have a much better relationship with Jupiter than you did back then. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, there were, there were also some transits there that were impacting that because mm-hmm. well, I, I have my Jupiter in Virgo, and so, you know, they're kind of contrary to each other. You know, Jupiter being about expansion and Virgo being about the details. And mm-hmm. I was very much being pulled two different directions at the time. Ooh. So that was, I think, a lot of my frustration with that placement. Yeah, no kidding. But yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll do something on that exercise in the, you know, sometime. Building our to-do list. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the last thing that we have on our our list of full moon activities is um, generally just creative and intuitive problem solving. Um, you you put through meditation with a question mark question on here. Mark. And, um, I, I just I love that. Like one of the potential things that you could really do to take advantage of this um, this transit is you know use that Virgo discernment to help you figure out where you're suffering and then find a guided meditation that speaks to it and go through the guided meditation. Like that's a, that's a potentially really good way of bringing together that Virgo and Pisces energy. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, yeah, when I wrote that, I was thinking, Oh, this seems like such a lazy thing to recommend because it feels like I always recommend meditation, but um, (laughs) It's, um, yeah, no, it's, it's actually, it's the first thing that came to mind. It's really the only thing I could think of, but it just, it seems to fit so well. Um, because we're definitely in one of those phases where rationality is not going to get us all the way through whatever problem we're trying to solve. So we really Mm -hmm. need to just fall back and dig into our subconscious for answers. It's not going to be the thing you first think. So yeah. Just- I mean, if you were going to be able to force of will or think your way through whatever is blocking you, you would have done it by now. Yep. It's either going to be a matter of time, in which case you know, may as well keep yourself entertained while you're waiting, or it's going to be a matter of creative problem solving and really reaching into the unconscious. It reminds me of um, a story, one of my favorite stories about a scientific discovery, which is um, there was a scientist, I think he was trying to find the shape of penicillin. I I don't remember what exactly he was researching, but um, he, he had this molecule that he was trying to construct from its component parts and figure out how it worked. And he was absolutely unable to figure out how to do it. And Uh, Finally, he got frustrated and was like, I'm going to go to sleep. And when he was asleep, he had a dream about a snake eating its tail. And when he woke up, he knew immediately that the answer to the problem was that he couldn't find the shape of the molecule because the molecule was in the shape of a ring. And so that is the kind of insight. That is the kind of um, 
problem solving ability that we're going to be able to have access to that kind of mythological imagistic metaphorical puzzle to solve that when we solve it we feel like a genius yeah and and that is i mean i feel like it's mercury and pisces right there is that Mm -hmm. the genius yeah yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, we've got this planet's in Aquarius. Aquarius is the sign of the genius. We've got um, Uranus, you know, the Promethean genius impulse. Like we, we've got a lot of smarts going on. We just can't see very well. <laughs> well, and one thing, one thing I've discovered is like it. It seems like when you get into that kind of genius element of things. Um, not, not to call out any friends, but I just, I I know someone that comes to mind in particular who is insanely just, uh, from, from an academic perspective and just knowledge in general, it's like the knowledge is there, the learning is there, the wisdom is there. And he is just so insane to me how much he can retain, Mm -hmm. um, but speaking with him, he's also incredibly dysfunctional. <laughs> so when it comes to like social elements and the work and all of that, you know, type of stuff, it becomes an issue of that, you know, that very familiar Neptunian thing that we're talking about right now, where mm-hmm. you get kind of so absorbed in that side of things that you have to learn to, you know, take a step back and really dive back into your subconscious Otherwise, it, um, yeah, I mean, that, that is very much something that has led to insanity in people that we consider geniuses. Yeah. So. It, it reminds me of a quote by G.K. Chesterton. He says that um, poets don't go mad, chess players do, because uh, chess players try to get the universe into their heads, but poets just try to get their heads into the stars mm-hmm. yep but that's all the more reason to really fall back into what is our subconscious actually trying to tell us right now and mm-hmm. just not dive into the analytical side of things too much because yeah like if you're not getting a clear picture very early on um that is the fastest road to insanity is you're going to drive yourself insane trying to figure that out. Yeah. Trust your heart. I mean, it's such a cliche, but in this case, you know, that's, that's where the unconscious is going to speak through the emotions. Mm-hmm. And did we have anything else? I think So we were going to talk about what we're doing. Um, I, for this full moon, my focus really uh, this week, it's, I don't know if Chris Ann decided to do this on purpose or if this is just synchronicitous, but um, in the business branding course that we're taking, um, we're focused on crafting a mission statement this week. And um, the, the work that she is having us do is so, so perfectly Virgo plus Pisces. So mm-hmm. um I, I am definitely taking the opportunity to really immerse myself in that during this time. Yeah. And I think that that was my thought as I saw what was on the agenda for this week. And I just really wanted to dive into that, um, 
yeah, that the coursework. So I think I'm going to kind of um, do some of it on the full moon. Um, I've done a little bit already, but like I think I'm just going to make that my full moon activity for um, yeah for the week. Awesome. And you know, if you're <laughs> if you're not in a place where you want to take a business branding course or um, you're not able to. I have been doing so much with her sacred creators Oracle deck and it's like, it, it is one of the cheaper Oracle decks in, in, as far as like financial investment that I've ever bought. But I have been getting so much out of that deck. I like highly recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it's got an interesting uh, something that I can't really find in any other decks is just that more business oriented side of things, um, mm -hmm. which I think this is something we've needed forever. Um, but yeah, just just having that kind of you know whether you're more into career or starting your own business, um, it's just very incredibly useful like you know i just i can't think of anything other than this to really recommend to people for exploring stuff like that because it's not historically been a big part of the um kind of diviners community right yeah absolutely i mean like having business sense was almost supposed to be like an insult to your gift <laughs> for yes. some reason <laughs> but yeah. um even if you're not like you know I i'm a person who get scared when people start using the word business around me. Um, even if you're just a creative who has gotten to the place where you're like, okay, I want to accomplish something. I want to actually write that book. I want to actually paint that painting. I want to actually create that Oracle deck. Like, I think that the sacred creators deck is, is good for people who are like, okay, I'm, I'm done playing around. I want to actually accomplish something. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and it just it also ties together so well with um some of her decks. Like I've been kind of using it in conjunction with the um Light Sears Tarot. And um, you know, if you do get the deck, she's got all of these online resources for um business building and kind of just getting in touch with more of your creativity if you're more of an artist. Um so it's it's not even just the deck. It's all of the resources that she has available mm -hmm. online as well, just for buying the deck. <laughs> so Yeah. So. You are very quickly making me a Chris Ann fangirl. <laughs> <laughs> well, and she's so hard not to love as well, because um, I think one of the things we we posted one of our one of her videos on our Discord and the first thing we started thinking was Okay, what what does she have going on in Leo over there? Because this woman is just absolutely glowing in her videos. Yeah, she really is. I just ah, my my Leo rising is so jealous. <laughs> yeah, so not to not to spend too much time on the fan grilling of that, but yeah, she has some very <laughs> wonderful resources. It is fantastic. I mean, if if the people who are listening to us aren't interested in tarot and astrology, they they have quite an attention span if they've got an hour and seven minutes into this podcast <laughs> at this point. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. So if uh, people are interested in your work and are interested in getting a reading or learning more about what you do, how can they find you? Um, So I can be found at tarotandchai.com. And I know um, some people listening are here local with me. So I do, um, I have been opening my readings locally again um, here in Kerrville at the Fairy Moon Emporium. So I've been there a bit more regularly. I wish I was local so I could get a live reading from you. That would be amazing. (laughs) So you can find out more about my work and um, book an astrology reading with me or uh, study astrology with me on Patreon by going to my website, adapembroke.com. And uh, you can also find me on Instagram at adapembroke. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I think we've run over a little bit today. (laughs) Getting into dangerous territory. We are. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.